This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morrison. This week, we look ahead to the NASCAC tournament for the Bates volleyball team. Plus, Bates alum Tom Lopez made history by earning his 300th career win as head football coach at Lincoln Sudbury in Massachusetts. And Bates alum Amelia Wilhelm was honored Sunday in Indianapolis as one of nine finalists for the NCAA Woman of the Year Award. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. The Bates soccer and field hockey seasons came to an end last week, with the Bobcats losing a trio of games to rival Colby. Women's soccer finishes with a record of 5-10. and 10. Men's soccer posted its second straight winning season with a mark of 8-7, and seven, and field hockey finishes 6-9. and nine. The volleyball season continues for Bates, with the Bobcats going 2-1 and one last week, defeating Husson and Trinity at Alumni Gym. Bates has a record of 14-8 going into this weekend's NASCAC tournament at Bowdoin. It's the team's best overall record since 2009. Junior Taylor Stafford-Smith joined the Bobcats to talk about the team's success. Well, first of all, Taylor, uh, Senior Day got the win for the seniors, uh, four of them. How cool is it to see the seniors go out on their home court in the regular season with a victory like that? Awesome, and it was our last um, game of the season before going into this weekend for playoffs, and it was awesome just to see their faces and dad on a good note. And Lauren had the kill to clinch it, right? She That's did, she yeah. did, and we were actually talking about it um, after the game, and it was so funny because we all saw that she was about to kill it. So it was a good one. And only appropriate, I suppose, right, to have a senior close <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So for you personally, you being a junior this year, um, you know, the past few years, Jacqueline Forney has been the setter setting you up for the kills. And now Julia Panapinto's the the new setter this year. How, how, what's that been like to have a new setter? Awesome. Um, I think Julia is honestly the hardest working player on our team. Um, she's constantly in the gym, constantly asking us for, um, you know, tips as hitters for – to. Um, get that connection between the setter and the hitter and um, I, I think it's been great with Julia. Yeah, she, she does all sorts of, she plays softball, she does the she, weightlifting, she does everything, doesn't she? Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> and then for you personally, what have you been working on this year kind of in your game as a junior now compared to the last few years maybe? I would say just constantly coming together as a team and making sure that's still there um and i mean i know this year for me personally i've been working on my digging more and um blocking um but i mean i guess the season just because we do have a new setter and we do we are a developing team um for me personally it's just probably getting that connection with jules which we definitely have piling up the wins this year too i mean the hall of fame tournament there you went undefeated yeah, so what was that like? and this is also the first year that we've done so well and so long and um again because we are a developing team it's just so i'm more than honored to be a part of it um and it's great to look at just because i can i i know it's only going to go up from here NESCAC tournament this weekend. Mm -hmm. It's at Bowdoin, the mm -hmm. top seed, and you're playing Wesleyan, uh, neutral court, if you will. Yeah. Uh, you've done this before, though, going to the NESCAC tournament. What have you learned from your past experiences? Well, I know that this year we're really just stoked that we're playing Wesleyan. We were actually hoping that Bowdoin was going to beat Wesleyan just so that we could, you know, um, get our revenge or redemption. But, yeah, we're, we're pumped. We're just going to focus this week during all of our practices and um, just get ready for Friday. When it's not home or a road, what's that kind of like, a neutral court sort of? I think it's going to be awesome just because 
Um, we get to spend the night here, you know, get some rest. Um, it's only 45 minutes yeah. away, which is nice. And I think we always do play pretty well at Bowdoin, so it'll be interesting to be somewhere other than Tufts this year. And then um, playing Wesleyan, you, you touched on the match you had against them this season. Pretty close one, right? It was a close one, and it, that was a tough loss for us because we know that we can beat Wesleyan. We did beat them last year. And there are some girls on the team who like know some other um, girls on the Wesleyan okay. team, so there's always that competition there. But, yeah, we're, we're stoked that we're going to be playing Wesleyan this year. Excellent. And obviously, again, this being your you know junior year and everything, how have your relationship with Coach Duran kind of developed over these past three seasons in terms of, you know, working with her on, on different aspects of volleyball? We were more than honored to have Coach as our coach. And, you know, if we do lose a game, she's like very positive about it still. And she knows that what we do need to work on is very important. And I feel like my relationship with Coach is only going stronger by the year, which is great, too. And then also on your team, you know, Gabby, uh, one of the captains, uh, Libero, and she was Defensive Player of the Year in the conference last year. Yeah. It must be pretty nice to have her back there with some digs as well. Yeah, and honestly, if anyone, you know, deserves it, it's definitely Gabby. Um, Gabby and I have been very close for ever since we started volleyball. And, um, yeah, she she also is definitely one of the hardest working players on, the, on this team. She'll break her back for anyone. And, um, yeah, she's great. We love her. Excellent. Now, you're from California, right? Mm -hmm. So being in Maine for the past few years, what would you maybe say to some other people from California who are preparing maybe to possibly come out to base for college, whether it be to play volleyball or something else perhaps? Honestly, just to be ready for the weather. <laughs> that's uh, that's definitely something out here. But, I mean, just from being from California, I love it out here. I've been here for three years, and honestly, I think I'm going to stay on the East Coast. Um and, you know, volleyball is different out here, but in a, in a great way. And it's funny because a lot of the girls within the NESCAC do come from Southern California. So I'm always seeing familiar faces no matter what NESCAC school we're playing, no matter what. So, yeah, I'm honored to be here. Any other thoughts on the upcoming NESCAC tournament and, you know, what you're most looking forward to perhaps this weekend? Just that we're really excited and we all, you know, we don't want to end season here. And we're just going to focus and be you know super prepared for this weekend throughout all of our practices and um, just come out strong all right taylor stafford smith thanks so much thank you a pair of bates alums have been in the news recently tom lopez class of 1969 who played football under bob hatch recently won his 300th game as the head coach of lincoln sudbury high school and amelia wilhelm class of 2018 who helped bates win three ncaa rowing championships was honored as one of the nine finalists for ncaa women of the year at a banquet in indianapolis on sunday this week both of these alumni talked to the bobcast on the phone we start with lopez whose team is in the midst of competing for the division two state title in massachusetts Happy to be joined by Bates alum Tom Lopez here on the Bobcast to talk about his coaching career as well as his time playing at Bates. And first of all, Coach Lopez, congratulations on your 300th win the other week uh, as a high school coach there at Lincoln Sudbury in Massachusetts. Uh, tell us a little bit about that moment when the game ended and you got that 300 victory. Uh, uh, what was the reaction like from your players and from the fans and everything? Well, it was a great reaction. We uh, It was kind of anticipated. Uh, coming in, I had 294 wins. Um, we had uh, we were having a good season. We were against a pretty big rival. It was a home game. Uh, we probably had 150 to 200 alumni there and parents, and uh, uh, it was kind of like the elephant in the room. Everybody knew about it, but nobody talked about it. And uh, at the end, we found out that the parents had planned quite a bit. Or the, I, I, apparently, the parents had uh, 
not the players are too busy to plan, but there was a nice banner. Uh, they had probably uh, 300 hats that they gave out with uh, Lincoln Sudbury football on it and my name for 300. Uh, fortunately, didn't have the date because there was no guarantee we were going to win that night, but uh, no, it worked out very well. Gotcha. And then as a coach, were you like, okay, guys, now let's focus on the playoffs coming up, <laughs> basically? That's what it was. You know, we're worried about the next game, and the next game yeah. was uh, last Friday night. Fortunately, we were able to win, but uh, you know, that's what coaches do. You don't live in the past. You live in what happens next Saturday, next Friday night. For sure. And you played at Bates, of course, a tight end under Coach uh, Bob Hatch uh, from 1965 through 1968. Obviously, all very good seasons for the Bobcats. Tell us a little bit about Coach Hatch and maybe how he possibly you know, influenced your coaching down the road from what you experienced as a player here. Well, I was fortunate to play with Coach Hatch and Coach Flynn and Coach Leahy. Uh, and I also played basketball one year under Coach Leahy also. Nice. Uh, as a sophomore, I think. Uh, anyway, uh, we were very fortunate uh, to have those three guys. Uh, you know, it, the other thing we were fortunate about, we, we had a good uh, an extremely close uh, class of the 1969 is, there were, I think, 13 football players, and most of us played uh, a considerable amount. Uh, uh, I'm still friendly with uh, probably 10 or 11 of them. I see them regular, on a regular basis. Uh, uh, it was just a very close group. It was a very closely knit. We, we did everything together. Um, it was, I, I just feel very fortunate to having been playing baits during that period. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's commonly known that we, we had a lot of success Uh for the four years I was there. I didn't play much as a freshman, uh, but as a sophomore, I was able to start a tight end, as a, and as a junior or senior, I was Coach Hatch moving to split end. So, uh, like I said, I was very fortunate to be, have him been coached by, by Hatch uh, and Flynn and Leahy, and I was very fortunate to have him played with guys that I played with. Terrific. Any games or moments stand out to you in particular from your time at Bates? Well, there's a whole bunch. Uh, we, we went to Norwich when I was a junior, and uh, uh, Jim Murphy, the quarterback, threw the winning pass or the the, the tying the, the the potential go-ahead touchdown pass and about a 40-yard pass and last play of the game. So we're down by one, and we went for two to try to win the game. And uh, Murph threw to me, and the ball hit the official in the shoulder. We ended up losing the game. So, oh, gosh. Uh, but it was a great. You know, I I, I had a particularly good game. Bruce Winslow, who was a starting split in, had to get, get hurt the previous week on Wednesday. He was going to be out for the year. We found out Coach Hatch moved me to split end, and um, uh, Murph and I connected probably six or eight times. Uh, so it was, it was a good win. It was a good game to remember. Unfortunately, it was a loss. When did you decide you wanted to go into coaching? When was that something that you decided you wanted to do? Well, I was a history major at Bates, and, and in all honesty, most of the guys that majored in history were going to law school. They're going to teaching, or unfortunately, some are going to Vietnam. So um, it, it, it was all in the back of my mind. Uh, my high school coach uh, was a, a teammate of uh, Coach Hatches at BU, and he was the one that sort of steered me toward uh, Bates. Uh, and, and he was very influential in my, in my life also as far as coaching goes. And I was fortunate to land at Lincoln Sudbury. You know, I could have landed someplace where there were no coaching opportunities. Uh, but Lincoln Sudbury had just started football in 1969. Uh, my first two years here as an assistant, uh, we were 0-9 and 0-9. We didn't win a game. Uh, so we were starting from the bottom up. So it was a good place to be. I was here at the right time. I was very lucky. Yeah, I was reading an article about how, you know, when you first started there, there wasn't a whole lot of resources, but uh, things have changed. How have, how have you seen everything grow from kind of when you started till present day? 
Well, at least in my particular school, obviously there were no lights, there was no stands, there was no clock, there was no school board. Yeah. So it was like a soccer field that uh, we put a couple of benches on the line for football. Uh, and then gradually, little by little, I think we got the, the clock and school board first. Uh, we were a long time without stands. And then, you know, like most schools in Massachusetts and probably in Maine also, uh, we were fortunate to get lights in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, and uh, now we have the turf field, so now we're, uh, you know, we, we have very good facilities here. Excellent. Your son, uh, Michael Lopez, went to Bates and now does data and, and analytics for the, for the NFL. When, when he was choosing colleges, did you, um, you know, say much to him about Bates and your experience there and what he might come to expect here, or how did that process go? Well, you know, he was, he was pretty good academically. He was much better in math than he was in English, but he was, he was very good academically. He, he ended up applying to... Uh, uh, to only two schools, Williams and uh, actually Williams, Amherst, and Bates. He was very familiar with Bates because obviously whenever we went out with friends, it was Bates stories and Bates people. And he had visited here several times uh, at reunions because I'd always go to my reunion and we'd bring him along. Uh, he he had met Coach Harriman. It was Coach Harriman's first or second year, perhaps second or third year. Uh, and they seem to connect. So it just seemed a logical place to go. Uh, you know, I, I encouraged him to look at other places, uh, but, but he had settled in on those three, and, um, you know, I was glad he chose Bates. He had a very good career at Bates. He actually was, uh, in 2003, they were the first team to defeat Williams, uh, his group. Uh, they didn't have a great year. They were probably 2-6 and six or maybe 3-5, and five, but that was the year they beat Williams for the first time. So he has that to hang his hat on. Nice. And then um, you mentioned you come up here for your, your reunion. When's the last time you were able to, you know, stop by Bates uh, in terms of check out how the campus looks now and, and whatnot? Well, uh, I have my, my quarterback, Jim Murphy, was a girls' women's mm-hmm. basketball coach and soccer coach up there for a long time. So I'd always go up in the fall to see a soccer game in the morning, or I'd always catch at least one or two basketball games when he would play uh, against a NESCAC opponent. So I've been up several times. Next year is our 50th, so obviously – I'm planning on going with a lot of my fellow teammates. What else about Bates maybe stood out to you when you were here, you know, maybe academically in the classroom over maybe some classes you would remember or that left an impact on you perhaps? You know, to be honest, everything is secondary other than the people. The, the people mm-hmm. are what's special. Whether they were the professors, uh, I happen to have uh, a guy named Mueller who was uh, my thesis advisor, or whether they were the coaches. And I, as I mentioned earlier, I played for Coach Hatch, Coach Flynn, and Coach Leahy or whether they were the players, or, or, or the other people. You know, it, it's just Bates is, a, is much more of a people place than many of the other NETSCAC schools. It's, it's centered around people. Uh, and though, that, that's what I remember the best, the people that I've met and the people that I'm, I'm still friendly with here now, uh, 55 years later, because my, my, not 55 quite, but uh, my first uh, semester was in the fall of 65. So, um, you know, 40, 53 years later, I'm still friendly with all those guys. So it's, it's a special place because of people. Terrific. Well, Tom, thanks so much for joining us here on the Bobcast. Congrats again on your 301 and counting victories there at Lincoln Sudbury. Thanks again. Well, thank you very much. Amelia Wilhelm graduated nearly 50 years after Tom Lopez. A different generation, but the same Bobcat pride. She looks back on the chance to share the stage with other highly accomplished women from across the country. It was a really exciting night. Um, And the weekend in general was amazing because I got to meet all of the other honorees um, and spend more time at the NCAA headquarters and meet some of the women in leadership there too. So it was really incredible to spend time with such amazing women. 
Yeah, so the um, NCAA headquarters, what was that experience like getting to meet some of the women running the organization and everything? Yeah, it was amazing. Um, We had a panel with some of the um, women in the NCAA leadership, and they talked about their experience um, and kind of their career paths and their, uh, like, leadership styles, too. Um, And that was amazing. And then we also had a community event with some uh, girls in local kind of, like, women empowerment groups in Indianapolis. Um, And so it was really great to hang out with them. Um, and then we also got to tour around. There's a, a museum at the NCAA headquarters, um, and there are different kind of stations devoted to different sports. Um, and I got to see also Bates has a banner hanging in there from our uh, last NCAA championship, so that was exciting. Um, and then we also found we could find the Bates, the pictures of Bates, uh, the team um, at the last couple NCAA championships too. Um, so it's it was fun to see a lot of new things and see some familiar things at the NCAA headquarters, too. That's awesome. And then um, they interviewed you live on stage, I saw. What was that experience like? Yeah, they did. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was definitely it was exciting. They, they told us before, beforehand um, that they were going to interview us. Um, and, I mean, they, so they, they picked a question that they felt was also really representative of the interview experience and, like, meeting with the um, – the like top nine finalists and I, I think that like they asked a question about what it was like being on the team and I think that that was uh, definitely a strong theme in my interview and my overall base running experience for sure that team is so important um, and I definitely I think I, I kind of got a little emotional thinking about all the women who had had gotten me like there on that stage um, and I felt really lucky that Bella was there with me but definitely I was thinking about all my teammates who had texted me um, that they were watching the live stream and everyone who had reached out to me in the past couple months throughout this whole process um, yeah it was definitely very special yeah so yeah Bella Miller one of your teammates at Bates was there as well as uh, some of your coaches right I know yeah. Peter was there as well and tell us about that also to have the support, you know, of the coaching staff. It was amazing. Um, I mean, I I think that that's something that Coach kind of was saying the whole weekend, like, thank you so much for, like, having me here. And I definitely owe a, a lot of my being there to him and to Doolittle um, and to Haley and Lizzie and Evan, you know, all of the, the coaching staff that I was lucky enough to um, overlap with and interact with at my time at Bates. Um and, yeah, I really feel lucky, too, that Andrea Doolittle was there because she was so instrumental to my experience at Bates, you know, on and off the rowing team. It really was a special weekend just filled with people near and dear to my heart. Excellent. And give us a little bit about, um, you know, when you first came to Bates from a rowing perspective, how experienced were you as a rower? And then how did you, you grow in your four years here, finally culminating as a senior, being able to race at, there at Nationals with the second varsity eight? Yeah, I mean, I think that I I didn't really know that I wanted to row when I got to base, or when I when I was like thinking about base, um, and mm-hmm. definitely visiting, and when I was accepted and visiting with the team, the base rowing team, I thought um, that these are the women that I really want to spend the next four years with. So I think even from the start, I like was really in it for the team and in it for the the. Uh, just like incredible people that I'd be spending my days with. Um, and I, I think I, I definitely got better and, and like faster over my four years here. Um, I think also representative, I spent two years as a spare for NCAAs and then I got to race my senior year, which, um, was 
was definitely an experience that I feel really grateful for. And I know that I worked hard for that over my four years at Faith. Absolutely. And then, so give us an update of what you're up to right now. Or like, you know, not right now, but, you know, currently. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, right now I'm in the airport. Um, But right (laughs) Right. now I'm I'm on my way back to Philadelphia where I'm living. um, And I'm working right now as a research assistant in a lab in the hematology department at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Um, So I'm doing, um, you know, kind of like bench work, um, like wet science research. Uh, and I'm really excited about the work that I'm doing. I'm really loving Philadelphia. Yeah, Postcard is treating me great. Excellent. Yeah, we talked about this at the uh, Mount David Summit, but your your thesis there with uh, with the chemistry department working with Paula Schlack. How did that go, yeah. you know, working with her there in the lab? It definitely, I mean, it was an incredible experience that I had um, at Bates. And I think actually a couple of the techniques that I use um, throughout my thesis are serving me great. Um, in my time now at uh, the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and I think that like definitely I've I laid the, the the groundwork for like an appreciation of research and the whole process there. So it's good to um, build off the experience that I had for my thesis, even though the, the work I'm doing is is like pretty different. Awesome, awesome. And well, well, any other thoughts on the event last night? And um, I guess what a nice capper to your 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 time at Bates, basically. Would you say? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I think that the whole event just was incredible. And I um, I mean, I, I definitely feel in awe of my own teammates, and I think that they are also special. And I think it is um, – it was incredible to, to be around women who have been so decorated on the field, in their sport, you know, on the court, whatever, so different too than – I was the only rower, so I got to learn a lot more about other sports. And it's just every person was doing something uh, so dynamic and so different, and they were so passionate about what they were doing. But at the very, like, baseline level, everyone was really focused on, like, advocacy and and really, like, pushing what they're passionate about. And I uh, was really inspired by the whole weekend. If it's not really apparent, it was just incredible. Excellent. Well, Amelia Wilhelm, thanks so much for joining us here on the Bobcats. Yeah, thank you so much. Now it's time to talk to our Bobcats of the Week. The cross-country teams competed at the NASCAC Championship Saturday in rainy Boston. The men came in seated eighth in the field, and they finished fourth, led by junior James Jones, who earned second-team all-NASCAC honors for his eighth-place finish out of 150 runners. And he is our male Bobcat of the Week. The NESCAC championships, the weather conditions, tell us about, um, you know, a lot of rain, you know, running in those. Uh, what, if anything, changed for you, perhaps? Well, we wore spikes, so it helps you get better grip. And it, this was a lot better than our meet uh, at Connecticut College, where maybe half the team fell. Um, this time, uh, we were pretty much on our feet the whole time, at least. For you, you know, you had a great first year here at Bates. Last year, though, some injuries, um, some illness. How, how have you been able to battle back from that to reemerge now as a junior? Kind of, what's that experience been like for you? We've just been increasing the mileage, like slowly, week by week, um, and. Uh, kind of coming into championship season we started doing a lot of, like harder track workouts and that seems to be helping from a personal perspective were you ever frustrated last year or anything or was it pretty much you know stay the course it was kind of nice in a sense um that i was able to take some time to focus on school and you know some other things but you know on some level it's always frustrating whenever you're like not able to improve um in anything uh you know on account of injuries or anything 
And the team this year came in ranked eighth, uh, and the NESCAC got fourth place. So, uh, what was the reaction to everyone after the uh, meet and everything? I mean, everyone must have been pretty pleased, right? Yeah, yeah. The whole team was really happy, and in two weeks we've got our uh, national qualifier race. So, we're hoping to play similarly um, in that race. And then tell us a little bit about some of your teammates. I know Mark Fusco had a great run. Um, uh, what's it been like working with them this year? Um, it's a really good team. Uh, we pretty much do all our runs together. You know, I like talking with them on runs and grinding in some of the workouts. What is your favorite part about maybe cross country in general, kind of? I think it's really peaceful sometimes, like when you're to be in nature, uh, just kind of like listening to your breathing and your you and your kind of your friends breathing and you're all suffering together. It's a it's a nice experience sometimes. Gotcha, gotcha. And who do you typically run with, maybe at the start of the race or throughout the race, typically? Um, this year, I've been running with um, Henry, Justin, and uh, Nico, um, for the most part. Yeah. So two of the captains are in that group, right? Yeah. What are they like in terms of leadership? Nico, uh, in particular, has really like nice speeches that he gives uh, before a lot of our runs, and Henry's like super energetic and um, he brings a lot of positive energy to the team. So, any particular moments from this race stand out to you? Anything throughout the course that uh, you remember distinctly? I definitely remember the first couple miles feeling really good, um, and then the uh, after that, it, it was kind of just about hanging in. Yeah, and so throughout the race, you mentioned you're suffering together kind of a little bit. Uh, what's is there anything going through your mind in the race, or are you just completely focused on you know what's ahead? I mean, yeah, things like drift in and out sometimes, yeah. but for the most part, um, when I race, it's pretty clear. I, I don't usually uh, like think about. Uh, anything in particular regionals coming up for you guys they're at Bowdoin and so you're probably very familiar with that course right what's it like it's really flat um and so you can run PRs probably if it's not really rainy well a flat course compared to maybe the, the hilly pineland farms right? right I mean so how do you train maybe the other coming, coming weeks do you go more to the golf course or what do you do um we, we've been doing some stuff on golf courses uh, I don't know that you necessarily need to run on flat courses to be able to run flat courses well um it's, it's a lot of just general fitness probably the reverse is more true like if you're prepping for a hilly course you probably want to run hills but i think uh yeah they're probably kind of like backwards compatible in that sense the training so what's going to be the main focus in your mind just to keep to build on this nescac performance basically right yeah i mean at this point the training's kind of in so um kind of the result will be <laughs> what it will be at this point we've only got two more weeks so just trying to stay healthy, and we'll get a few, um, probably this week we'll get a few um, quicker workouts in, um, but just kind of trying to stay relaxed and probably race as, you know, as comfortably as I can on that day. There you go. James Jones, Male Bobcat of the Week. Thanks so much. Thanks. The Bates women finished fifth at the NASCAC Championships, with senior Aiden Eikhoff finishing 12th, good for second team All-NASCAC, and senior Katie Barker taking fifth and a spot on the All-NASCAC first team. It's the first all-NESCAC honor of Barker's career, and she is our female Bobcat of the Week. Well, Katie, first of all, all-NESCAC performance for you. wasn't easy, though, probably, right? What was the weather like down there? I heard it wasn't very good. No, it was windy and cold and raining and muddy, um, but all the elements kind of added to the excitement of the day. Yeah, I think that our team, our motto was to own our grit, so use the weather to our advantage because if we like owned it and really embraced it, hopefully would bother other people more than us so yeah were there any particularly challenging moments that stand out from the race for you uh there was one moment when we i just remember it was like close to the three mile mark so it's overall it's like 3.7 but there's just we kind of went out into the field and there's a huge gust of wind and the rain was coming down um and i definitely felt 
felt it, but I just tried to channel it and think that it was hurting other people more than me. So it was exciting, though, yeah. yeah. On the men's side, James Jones mentioned that he was just happy no one fell over in the weather or anything. It's the same thing for the women. Everyone stayed upright. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, it was exciting. And you got first team all NESCAC. What does that honor mean to you? I don't know. I mean, I just ran like everybody else, I guess. I just, like, you know, tried hard just like everyone else on our team. I don't know. It's, I guess it's cool to see progress over time. Well, and speaking of that, you know, Aiden had a really good run also. Were you running with her for most of the race? or Actually, I wasn't. Yeah. No, I was really, like, excited and happy when I turned around, and wow. she was there, like, at the finish. I was, it was really exciting to see her. Yeah, what have you seen from her, and maybe in particular in terms of her improvement? Because I know she was kind of raw when she first started in terms of cross-country, right? It definitely takes some adjustment to getting used to being, have a, being able to have a mindset for a 6K versus just track. Um, so I think that that definitely just like comes with practice because you're not only training your body, but also your mental strength for sure. And then you can kind of relate to that, right? Because when you started here, you were, you hadn't done a whole lot of cross country. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 No, I did. College was definitely, uh, was my first cross country season. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I did the eight, uh, 800 before just for track. Um, but then I guess I just came to get more used to running longer distances and ended up enjoying more. So yeah, I understand that. transition <laughs> so for you personally now as a senior i mean what has made cross country kind of such a great fit for you you think you know coming in and and growing as a runner these four years i guess my body just like has come to adjust adjusted to enjoying longer distances it just feels good i guess i it just feels more comfortable yeah i think i get more endorphins out of it so <laughs> for me it just it's just become something i really enjoy Excellent. And then regionals coming up, right? A couple of weeks from now at Bowdoin. So flat course, right? So do you prefer that over the hills or what's, what's more, maybe more your style? I honestly prefer a course that I can engage with more versus just flat. Um, so honestly, Bowdoin's not my favorite course, <laughs> but uh, I think that I can just try to divvy it up mentally and then go from there and try to find different points that I can refocus. So I don't just see it as one long street 6K. There probably won't be any tougher conditions, though, than this past weekend, I imagine, right? Right. But on, <laughs> but I don't know. For some reason, it's just like the more like dynamic the day and the course, I feel like the better I do. Yeah, because so, like, all the wind and rain made it kind of different than maybe your typical race. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. And then, um, you know, what were some other your, uh, your observations from, from some of your other teammates maybe that stood out? I know Aiden, we talked about her, but obviously the team did really well fifth overall, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And actually, um, we had some, like, shifting of where people came in. So people that don't normally contribute to score to scoring did on, like, this day. So it was cool to see other people step up as well. And then, so what are you, what's going to be your focus, you know, this week, this upcoming week, before, you know, you have the regionals in, in you know, a week from Saturday, basically, right? Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to taper more this week and next. And honestly, I think that it's... I personally do better not really thinking about the race until like the day before. So just kind of like enjoy the other aspects of my life and be able to just kind of do these next two weeks, moving our bodies not as much as before. And yeah. Speaking of other aspects, what are you studying here at Bates? What are you majoring in? Where, do you have any post-college plans yet or anything? Uh, no. <laughs> um, I am a chemistry major, though, so I'm working on thesis right now, which is going to be a year-long project, but it's been I've really enjoyed digging into it, and my advisor is pretty great. So. Well, tell us what your thesis is. 
I guess it's not truly defined yet, but it's on uh, structural analysis of crystals to discover ferroelectric properties. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your advisor? Uh, Geneva Luda is my advisor. So I've just, we've um, gotten some data that I have yet to analyze. You'll be doing some of that analysis before the regionals, it sounds like? Yes. <laughs> yep. That will have to be happening. Yep, for sure. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Katie Barker, Female Bobcat of the Week, thanks so much. Thank you. The football team fell 21-6 to to Colby in the snow Saturday at Garcelon Field. Sophomore Liam Spillane ran for a career-high 114 yards, and sophomore Brendan Costa added a 19-yard touchdown run in the first quarter to cut the mule lead to 7-6. to But late in the first half, Costa suffered an injury and missed the remainder of the game. Colby led 21-6 to at halftime, and neither team was able to score in the second half as the snow persisted and the defense has stepped up. Head coach Malik Hall looks back on the game. Fifth quarter here on the Bates Bobcast with the head coach, the Bobcats, Malik Hall. And coach, obviously, a game against Kobe. We'll talk about the weather conditions in a moment, but I think everyone wants to know first, you know, Brendan Costa, I understand status, not sure quite yet. Um, obviously, he took a pretty big hit, though, there, didn't he? Yeah, I think... Um... Teams have finally just made a decision to make us pick up protections, pick up the blitz game and our protections. Um, and whether you're bluffing the blitz, showing the blitz, bringing the blitz, it's all a chess match that I think defenses are willing to live in and say if he can make the throw, um, we'll take it if we can hit him. Um, and unfortunately, in that particular play, they bluffed a blitz. Uh, we did not pick up the four whom were rushing and um, cut a D lineman loose. And, you know, he took a really tough hit while trying to deliver a big ball down the sideline that we had open. Um, but that goes to timing. Like, if we're not able to click offensively with the timing of uh, pass protection or route development, to quarterback reads and release, uh, you, you're you're kind of flirting on that line of beating your quarterback up. Um, I thought we corrected some of it against Middlebury, and um, unfortunately, not enough to uh, keep our star quarterback from being hurt and exiting the game before it was over. First year quarterback Jack Bryant came in, a guy from Falmouth. He played a little bit this year, but this was his first extended action. What were your observations from him and obviously some less than ideal conditions? Whenever you haven't been in the fire all year and that moment arises, I think it takes a very special individual to rise to the occasion without the reps, without being in the game. And if you add the weather, uh, it certainly didn't play into his favor. Um, but right now, I, I think at what we asked, what we were asking him to do in that short amount of time, and to go win the game, not not just manage the game, I think that was a tall order. Um, and I think, you know, it's the human disposition to see what happened to your predecessor, so to speak, and play with some apprehension when it comes to passing the ball. You know, um, and he's not as you know, uh, he's not as fluid of a runner as Costa is. Uh, but again, I think for JB to get thrown in that scenario and for what we needed him to be, I think that was a very tall order. And um, obviously we would have loved for him to accomplish that. But um, I just think we that was that was a lot for him. 
And um, I think with a full week of uh, practice and preparation and for us to evaluate him thoroughly in terms of what will give us the best shot at winning a game, what packages does he feel comfortable with, and obviously our QB run game completely changes uh, just because he's not the runner that Costa is, but he certainly has a, a good arm. Um, I think having to rely on his arm a little bit more isn't a bad thing. Mm -hmm. um, we want to get the ball downfield, and right now um, we've certainly been very um, cold more than hot. And um, you would think we would have been able to double down on points being that we put up 34 a week before. Um, but, again, every game has its own individual challenges. And not only that, nothing's, nothing's promised because you did something good the week before that you'll be able to do it uh, the same the week of, though we strive for that. But we certainly have missed a mark in that regard. Well, let's touch on the weather a little bit. Obviously, both teams play in the same conditions, so it's not something that uh, that was necessarily you know a factor one way for one team or another. But it seems like it definitely favored the running backs and did not favor pretty much everyone else except for the photographers on the sidelines, right? Yeah, I, you know, and, and my thoughts on this is when you're playing a rival, no better rival to have a rival in mud and snow, um, and and unfortunately, I don't believe our guys showed up for the rival like Kobe showed up. Um, I think Kobe took the approach. Listen, it's snowing. We we came in with the game plan to run the ball anyway, and now we're just saying, hey, we definitely got to run the ball. And um, I, I would have hoped for our guys defensively to respond at a much higher rate than what they did. Um, and, again, I, I think it comes back to, you know, carrying over what we do well and being consistent with it. Um, I tip my hat to Coach Cosgrove and the Kobe staff. They found some surfaces against us that um, we had a few guys short in. Um, and on top of the run game in this league, and the NESCAC is, is very physical and efficient. So being throughout the whole year, we've done a decent job. Uh, you know, in the course of four quarters, not letting the run be a major issue um, when you're talking about tailbacks. But in the fourth quarter, it's been an issue, and QB run has been an issue throughout the year, um, which makes this a little disheartening. It, was, it wasn't QB run, and it was the tailback consistently. Um, and I thought we've done some good – Good things in the run game, not consistent enough, but I don't think we play physical. Um, nowhere near as physical as Kobe played, and certainly um, the back was a, a, a ton to bring down, regardless of weather. I don't think yeah. that would have mattered. Um, but the thing that mattered most was, you know, it was our in-state rival, and the other team showed up, and our just, our team didn't. Well, for the offensive side of the ball, Liam Spillane had a career high in rushing yards. Mm -hmm. Looks like he runs with pretty good vision, you know, just watching from the press box. Looks like he uh, knows how to find the hole, doesn't he? Yeah, I, you know, I think being a six-foot back at almost 200 pounds, I think the challenges for him is keeping his pad level down. Uh, but he certainly has a knack for finding open holes and green grass. 
Um, and, and on top of he's a hard runner, though. He runs with high pads. He's still tough to bring down, and he certainly doesn't mind taking taking the physical part of the game to you as a runner and not letting him be a punching bag. He he certainly believes in delivering a punch even though he's being tackled. And I think that wears on defenders. Um, I think the offensive line, you know, whenever you have almost a 100-yard rusher or better, the offensive line is doing something very well. Um, I think we're, we're, we're gaining ground in the run game. I just want us to gain that same type of ground in the pass game right now. Gotcha. And then um, I just wanted to ask you if you'd ever coached or played in conditions like that before in terms of a lot of snow like that. Yeah, yeah, I have. And um, it's a great game to coach in. You know, weather as a, as a coach is difficult. Um, but what makes the weather a great game is seeing players play in it. Um, and what makes it not a great game is when your players don't play well in it. Um, but all in all, I thought it was a great atmosphere. I thought it was a great opportunity for our guys to compete in a rivalry game with a, with conditions that don't happen often. And I think we have to learn how to embrace those kind of uh, circumstances and um, lean in a little bit more. Like um, that game, they weren't going to throw the ball. That was something that we've struggled with in the past weeks, the ball being in the air. Um, and unfortunately, we also struggled with it being on the ground this week. You guys almost connected on some big pass plays in the first half. Kobe's defensive backs uh, were able to break up a couple passes, but it looked like you had some things designed that were uh, fairly effective in terms of at least getting the clean pocket and getting the ball down the field a little bit. Yeah, I think we had some things dialed up. I think that's no different than every week. Uh, uh, unfortunately, you know, you can see it open on film, but it doesn't mean anything if he doesn't see it's open. Um and, you know, not to be Monday morning quarterback, but it's hard to um, it's hard to be in the game and be the quarterback and not be 100% certain you're being protected to find the guys that are open. Um, right now, I think on, our, on every level on our team, we're trying to reel in trust, reel in culture, and at the same time try to win a game. And I think combining all three of them, it makes it extremely hard to win. Um, and it's hard to win as is. Uh, but when you factor in some of the mitigating circumstances along with our program and the opportunity to compete, I think it gets lost in translation. Uh, who's open? Who can make a sack? Who can make the tackle? When you add all of those outside elements or internal elements, I think the mundane seems even bigger. The simple seems like, you know, this is a tall task. But, um, you know, that's that's why we're here, um, to kind of dumb it down and show them how to become more of a team and, and allowing the team to make the play for you opposed to everyone wanting to make it as individuals. Um, but that comes with time and process. And right now, I think more than anyone, myself, as well as our staff, players alike, uh, we want progress right now, which is a win. Um, but, again, process and progress are often 
on two different timelines. Well, speaking of that, this Saturday at Bowdoin, both teams hungry for their first win of the year. Under the lights, too. I don't think I've seen Bates play under the lights yet in my, you know, four years I've been covering the team. So what are your thoughts on, you know, of a, a, a night game, basically, um, against Bowdoin where both teams are looking for that first victory? Again, another rival game, another in-state, down-the-road trip, which should be very competitive and should – we should embrace the atmosphere regardless of the weather. Um, we're under the lights. It's a night game. We're down the road. Um, it should be a physical game. They're going to try to run the ball. We're going to try to run the ball. Um, so all in all, um, it should be a lot of uh, clicks and clacks on the field. And um, it's our hopes that we, we come to play. I think no matter what, you've probably seen – two different Bobcat teams. Um, you've seen a team that is playing a stifling type defense. You've seen a team that's putting up 35 points a game, 34 points a game. And you've seen everything lower beneath that. Um, our job is to try to find a, a nice sweet spot where we can be a consistent team that shows up and competes at a high level. And, and, and you would hope that the rival brings that out of you. Um, but we also got to find a way to bring them out of it, bring that out of them as a coaching staff. And the senior group needs to find a way to play their best game um, because they only have two left as well. All right, Coach Hall, thanks so much. Thanks again. And um, it, was a, it was a great opportunity to have a memorial for Coach Harrison, um, our players, just giving them a preview or a peek of what he's done for the program and for the school I thought was magical. Um, it's my hopes that we can get a win for him and show um, the Bobcat Nation why it's a great day to be a Bobcat. Next time on the Bates Bobcast, we will look at how the volleyball team fares in the NESCAC tournament. The Bobcats open with a match against the two-seed Wesleyan this Friday at 5 p.m. in Brunswick. We'll also recap the football team's clash under the lights with rival Bowden. Kickoff is set for 5.30 p.m. Saturday in Brunswick. That's next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bates, Bates.